sometimes we tend to separate ourselves from the community that we are engaging with. We tend to otherize. And so when you other and distance yourself, you tend to see yourself, or you can tend to see yourself as being better than, as being other than, as being savior-like, um, as being there to rescue. And, and, and that comes out in everything you do, right? So it comes out in your in your flyers, it comes out on your website, it definitely comes out in your storytelling. I have seen that come out in your storytelling. It even comes out in the images that you use and the video, I mean, it comes out everywhere. Hey folks, and welcome to this episode of Mission Forward, where each week we bring you a thought-provoking and perspective-shifting conversation on the world around us and the role that communications plays in helping us make sense of the world. I'm Carrie Fox, your host and CEO of Mission Partners, a social impact communications firm and certified B Corporation. I have such a special guest with me today. I was thinking about this season a few months ago as I was starting to plan it and thought to myself, I don't know how I could ever have this season without having Ray Oglesby on the show. And so let me tell you a little bit about her. Ray is a storyteller with a passion for social justice, equity, and service. That is a trifecta that I love. She started her career as a broadcast news journalist working at CNN and local stations in Atlanta and South Carolina before transitioning to nonprofit marketing and communications. Today, she's the VP of comms for Up Together, previously Family Independence Initiative. Up Together is a community, it's a movement, it's a platform, it highlights, invests in, and most importantly, accelerates the initiative that people in historically undervalued communities are taking to improve their lives and to move up together. In full disclosure, before we get into this conversation, I had the opportunity to work with Ray in the rebranding effort of Up Together, and I have seen her in action, which makes me even more excited to get into this conversation today. So Ray, welcome to the Mission Forward podcast. Thank you, Carrie. I'm so excited to be here, and it is an honor. Um, I know you are busy managing a lot of different amazing initiatives at Up Together, but before we get into this, and we'll talk about Up Together in a few minutes, I want to hear more about you. Tell me about this path that you've been on that took you from a newsroom to a nonprofit marketing organization or nonprofit organization. Where's that that spark in you and how'd you get to where you are today? Yeah, um, good question. I think I've just always from just childhood, just always had a desire um, for passion and serving. Um, I talk a lot about when I was maybe like five or six years old, being in school and like really being introduced to um, supporting and giving to other people. So we got like a little, little, like a little milk box, right? And it was for UNICEF. And we had to like collect pennies and ask people for like their change. And I was like, what is this thing for? And so (laughs) realized, oh, this is really to help children that live in other places that are, you know, children like me who may not have what I have and all these other things. So that was kind of like my introduction to service in a more formal kind of way. Um, And ever since then, like I've just always been the type of person who's wanted to give back and tutor and volunteer and and all these different types of things. Um, But oddly enough, I never thought about it as a Mm. career. (laughs) So um, I decided to, you know, go into journalism again with the with the desire to really be able to tell stories and, and um, influence things that really shape uh, communities and, and support and help people. 
Um, and then I think like a lot of people, I ended up getting um, laid off. The show that I was working on started to make some cuts and was eventually canceled itself, the last show I was working on. Um, and I used that as an opportunity to really pivot. Um, at the time, I was also in grad school full time, um, earning my MBA. And I started to take a lot of social enterprise classes, marketing classes, and I saw just how transferable my skills as a journalist were in nonprofit communications. And so after I was let go uh, at my at my job, I decided that I did not want to go back in the newsroom, that I wanted to pursue a career uh, in nonprofit communications and marketing. And I've been doing that. That's ever awesome. Since. So what about Up Together called you uh, to that organization? Up Together, uh, at the time, Family Independence Initiative, I had never heard of an organization doing what Up Together was doing. So most nonprofits present themselves, and there's nothing wrong with this, present themselves as they are helping. Up Together, in a sense, was we don't help. <laughs> we trust our families. We, we uh, invest in our families, and we get out of the way. We learn from them. So for, for those who may not know, um, we are in, in a poverty-focused nonprofit. Uh, and a lot of poverty-focused nonprofits will tend to, um, you know, provide food or clothing or um, job training and, and different types of resources um, to help and to assist um, families who are earning low incomes. That is not what we do at Up Together. What we do is um, we have what we call our strength-based approach that is centered and grounded on community. So we know that communities have, for generations, for eons, supported each other and worked together, um, especially when resources are limited, that communities come together to support one another. I think we've, we saw, we all saw that during the pandemic, right? We've seen people who lost jobs, who really came together and rallied as communities to support each other. That's been happening for eons. And so Up Together, um, which we were founded 20 years ago, um, based on commu the community component. And so we believe that when you combine community with cash investments, uh, and allow people the choice and the freedom to use that cash how they see fit, that the combination of those three will allow families who are experiencing poverty to accelerate their own uh, growth and their own um, pathway out of poverty, right? They don't need saviors. They don't need help. What they do need and what they lack is financial resources. And so with the financial resources, and we now have an online platform that uh, allows them to grow and strengthen their community. We don't provide community for them. Those communities already exist. We simply provide a platform for them to grow and strengthen those. So we do believe that the combination, again, of community, uh, capital, and the choice to use those dollars uh, are really the, the pathway out of poverty. And so, uh, so I'm excited about the organization. I never heard of an organization doing that before. And that's really what drew me to Up Together. So I've known about Family Independence Initiative since about 2013, and I remember the first time, similar, that I heard about the initiative. It was both so common sense, and yet it was um, maybe eye-opening how rare it was, right? And it, it maybe reinforces for me some words that you just used that I feel like are so important for us to get into in today's conversation. Choice, community, capital. You never once said charity. And there's a really big difference, I think, in how nonprofit organizations view their work as charity and what that then creates as how you are asking for money and how you are thinking about beneficiaries and how you are reinforcing the, the power dynamics inside that versus 
What you all really do is take a very different approach to community, capital, choice. And um, how has that felt coming into that organization? Because I suspect it was very different from the service opportunities that you probably were part of that you mentioned at the top of this call, you know, when you were younger. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was a different it was really refreshing, um, honestly, because a lot of the and and no um shade <laughs> to any of the other nonprofit organizations or even charitable organizations. I think uh organizations are doing great work. I think where I would like to challenge um my fellow nonprofit um workers is in a sense that sometimes we tend to separate ourselves from the community that we are engaging with. We tend to otherize. And so when you other and distance yourself, you tend to see yourself or you can tend to see yourself as being better than, as being other than, as being savior-like, um, as being there to rescue. And, and, and that comes out in everything you do, right? So it comes out in your in your flyers. It comes out on your website. It definitely comes out in your storytelling. I have seen that come out in your storytelling. It even comes out in the image that you use and the video I mean it comes out everywhere and it may be it may have a positive impact on your donations right it may work for that particular audience but for the audience that you're engaging with it may make them feel less than it may make them feel like you think you are better than them like you are there to to fix their life like they don't have the capacity to do that for themselves and that without you, somehow their life would just be a complete wreck. And that's not the case. And again, I, I know that this is not the intent from nonprofit organizations and all nonprofit organizations do not do this. But I have seen enough <laughs> to know that it, it tends to be a pattern and it is something that we as communicators need to be more intentional about and mm -hmm. aware of. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point. You're right. It's not it's not universal, but I also think that it's in a lot of cases the the status quo. It's almost the expected when you are fundraising that there's going to be probably an appeal. There's probably going to be a story that's shared. And from what I have seen and found over my time working with nonprofit communications um organizations, nonprofit organizations, is that it's almost a um well, we're going to do this because it worked really well last year. And that, I think, is the opportunity to say, sure, it may have worked last year, but what if? What if you thought about it differently? Then what could happen on a, uh, a you know, multi multiplier scale in terms of the opportunity that you're leaving behind? Absolutely. And, and that's what I want to ask you about because you think about your own marketing and communications differently. You think about engaging with families differently, perhaps, than um, than another nonprofit would. And I'm curious if you can share some of those. How do you think about that? And what are the maybe the pieces that are in place for you all that keep that approach that Up Together has flowing through how you also communicate? Sure. I think the, the first and most important thing is that we realize that it is not about us. Uh, um, it's not about us as, as an organization. It's not about what we are doing, but it is about the community. It is about, uh, and we call the people who we invest in, we call them our members. So it is about our members. It is about the relationship. Um, we're very much focused on relationships and not transactions. Um, and so because of that, we understand that we need to take the time to get to know 
people who we are engaging with, we need to talk to them. Um, We need to also recognize that communication is a two-way street, which means that we need to listen as well. So it's not just about us pushing out our messaging um, to people, but it's about also how do people respond? What do they have to say? Um, and in particular, the audience, uh, the, our primary audience who we look to um, hear from are the members that we engage with the most. So like, what are they saying? What is the feedback for us? I would say number one is that we recognize that it is not about us. Um, I think two is that at the same time, uh, and I'm being very intentional about this, both in my professional and my personal life, um, is to interrogate our intentions, right? So why are we writing what we're writing? Why are we saying what we're saying? If in interrogating your intentions, you recognize that I'm doing this to call more attention to my organization to raise money, to make myself feel better. I think whenever the focus turns back to yourself and your organization and away from the community and the people who you are investing in and serving, that you need to take that time and pause and really think about why is this about me at this moment? Why is this not about the people who we say we are here to support and engage in and serve. Um, so I think that, and again, I'm doing this both in my professional and personal life, but like I think it's very important for us to really interrogate our intentions. And I would say probably the third one is to never say, do, share photos of, videos of anyone um, in a way that you would not like done for you. So I would not have a conversation and talk about you, Carrie, from all of the negative things about you, right? I would never use that deficit framing in a conversation with you or to talk about you with someone else. So why would we use that deficit framing when we are talking about our audiences? Why would I say, you know, someone who is in need? Why would I say a poor family? Why would I say a homeless individual? Why would I say an at-risk child? Why not say a child who is overcoming obstacles? Why not say a hardworking family who by their ingenuity is able to stretch a dollar? Why not say an individual who is experiencing homelessness? Because they are not homeless. That's not an adjective that describes them. It is a temporary condition that they have found themselves in. So I think when we're putting together our words and our images and our videos, If we were the people focused on that, would we like someone to say those things about us? Would we like someone to say those things about our loved ones, the people we care about? And if the answer to that is no, then why would you say that about someone else? That, Ray, is what folks need to hear and and actually go back and replay again. You just said everything that we needed to say in this in this episode, but with, I, I hear it in your voice, the emotion, the commitment, the passion, these aren't just words and practices that you apply as a communicator. This is a way that how, it's a it's a different way of valuing one another, right? That it's, it's so much deeper than telling a story. It's how are we bridging the divides between us? It's how are we coming together in a place of joy? It's how are we celebrating one another's accomplishments and initiatives? And why that's been so hard, I wish I understood. But what you just said, Ray, uh, and and I'm going to lift one more thing up because I'm going to hold on to this, interrogating our intentions. 
What an awesome phrase and reminder that, you know, that feels like something that should be, you know, like on your, um, on your laptop that you look at it every day as, as we're working on communications, you know, it's, it's think about why, you know, what's behind that. Wow. Ray, Thank you. I am very passionate. <laughs> I am very passionate about it because I don't see myself as being separate from the community that I engage with. I am a part of the community. I, yeah, I, I, I am them. <laughs> and so I take things very personally um, when it comes to our communications and the work that our organization does, but then in more broadly, the work that other nonprofit uh, organizations do and the way that they talk about their work. I take it very personally. So um, I'm going to I'm going to flip a little bit as almost to the other side of this conversation of something that you also just just started in on, which is I often find in organizations when they're talking about their work um, that I'll hear themes around. Um, let me just tell you a quick story that maybe gets at this easier. Several years ago, I was at an, an organization um, they were doing a volunteering event and they were packing brown bags for individuals in a community. And they said, this is our record. Over the course of today, we have packed 10,000 bags for the community. We're going to come back here next year. We are going to double that. And I remember looking at my husband and saying, what? They want to make the problem worse in a year. And so they can come back and do more of this. Shouldn't they want to come back and do half as many or even better? None, right? But that's, I think, really hard for organizations to shift how they think about impact too and how they're measuring that impact. And that's that's something else that I know you all really think intentionally about. Yeah, it, it we really do. And I, I think the challenge with this is, and this, I hope this doesn't come across as controversial, but um, charitable work, nonprofit work, it, it is a business. And people don't want to put themselves out of business. They don't want to put themselves out of work. But if you're really doing this for the right reason, that should be your intent. Your intent should be to solve the problem or at least work with communities on the ground so that they can solve the problems themselves, which they're already working on, right? You're just there <laughs> to support that effort and maybe accelerate that effort. But I think if we're truly intentional and we truly mean what we say our, our missions are, our ultimate mission should be to put ourselves out of work. Because all of these kind of political ills and, and societal problems that we are addressing would cease to exist. Um, but people want to make sure that they have a job. People want to make sure that they continue to, um, in some cases, and again, I don't, I don't want to generalize, but in some cases, people do like to feel needed and they like to feel wanted because it's something internal for them. It's, it's, it's not about the problem. It's about makes me feel good. So I'm going to continue to do this because it makes me feel good, not because I'm solving the problem that our mission says that we are actually looking to solve. Well, that's a perfect opportunity to shift to learning a little more about Up Together. Because I think if if folks have that fear or concern of what if I put myself out of business, you all are operating through a lens of we want to put ourselves out of business, right? We're going to think totally differently about this. And yet it's incredible the, the impact you're having, if I think about the COVID response, more than $100 million of cash moved, um, 
tell us more. Tell us about Up Together and the work that you do. Ah, So yes, last year alone, we were able to, um, with the help of of more than 200 organizations, community groups, government partners, um, several individual donors, uh, move more than $130 million, get that directly into um, the hands of families who were um, struggling financially due to the pandemic. So we were um, humbled to be able to do that work and just um, happy that we were positioned in such a way so that we had the technology, we had the infrastructure, we had the relationships that allowed us to do that. Um, when we talk about our work and wanting to um, kind of put ourselves out of business in, in like a better term, that goes to our um, the policy work that we're doing. So we understand that as an organization, we can only touch and invest in so many families, right? There's, there's only so much money that we have, so much money that we can invest, um, so much uh, infrastructure that our technology can do so that families can connect and, and and grow and strengthen their social networks. And so now we are being very intentional and we have been over the last few months of growing our policy arm. Um, again, we are a nonprofit, so I have to preface that by saying we're, of course, nonpartisan. Um, but we also understand that our work in the policies, uh, in the um, poverty space we have to address policies that are contributing to poverty. Like there are, so I think, for example, about when it comes to um, what is called the cliff effect. So uh, people have heard about it, maybe not by that term, but let's say, for example, that you are receiving government assistance. You um, get a raise of now 50 cents an hour, right? But now because of that 50 cents an hour raise, you no longer qualify for the benefits that you were getting, but you can also not make up that difference. So let's say you were getting uh, support with food stamps, right? So now you have lost your food stamp benefits, but that 50 cents an hour is not enough to make up that difference. So now you end up in a deeper hole or you refuse to get the raise because you know that it will allow you to, it will cause you to lose your benefits. And then that starts to contribute to, oh, people don't want to work or they're lazy or all these other things. And so we understand that as an organization, for us to make the greatest impact and essentially put ourselves out of business, we need to be able to shift policy because that's what changes things on a grand scale that, that benefits and impacts people by the tens of thousands and the millions. And so we are starting to have um, and build relationships with local government agencies with the goal and the hope that in the next 20 years or so, we will be able to influence and shift federal policy. That is a bold goal. It is a stretch goal, but something that we are looking to be able to do because we can't continue to do the work one-offs. We can, but you're never going to have the same major impact that you will have when you shift and change policies. Um, And we also have to acknowledge that some of these policies uh, are based and rooted in racism and patriarchy. And I I think I'd be remiss if I didn't say that part as well. But we definitely are working to shift and change policy. And we as an organization uh, are not afraid of putting ourselves out of business, again, because we understand that it is not about us, but it is about community. Yeah, gosh, Ray, I can't think of any greater focus for you all to be having than to be advocating for that change. Because it's interesting, I was thinking about the conversation we had just in the last episode with Ashton Lattimore, and she talks a lot about justice requires the full story. What you just shared there is a perfect example of how perceptions or societal beliefs on 
you know, what someone might be going through is is often not the full story. But what you just outlined there is a reminder that when policies are working against a person's ability to move up, there's something much bigger at play here, right? And so thinking about all those levers of shifting policy, shifting public understanding, um, and then shifting philanthropy to support it, then you're really getting to the root causes of the issues that we see and issues of poverty. Absolutely. Yeah. Things are things have root causes that are not personal. Uh, we just did a press conference um, yesterday with, so we're doing a guaranteed income pilot in, in Oakland, just did a press conference yesterday with the mayor. And, and she has said, um, and I agree, that poverty is not a personal issue. It is a policy issue. And so we have to change it at that level. Ray, we are somehow already at the end, but I want to ask you one more question here, which is really a thinking back. You've given us some amazing, really practical tips that I think communicators can start to apply today. But let's sum it up and maybe maybe think about what are those things that you think communicators who are working to advance social justice, what are some of the best things they can be remembering to apply day after day if, in fact, they want the power of their communications to advance social justice? Sure. I, I think I'm going to repeat that the, the communications is two-way street. Um, so listen, I, I don't think there's anything that we as communicators can do um, more or better than listening. You know, I think we spend a lot of time trying to figure out how do I how do I word this to get, you know, someone to take a particular action or someone to feel a particular way. Um, And we don't always take the time to listen. So I think, number one, we should focus more on listening uh, and probably listen more than we actually do. Um, Number two, I would say if you um, as a communicator are not a reflection of your primary audience, then you need to surround yourself with people who are your primary audience. Um, and that could just mean very simply um, building relationships with folks, writing something or presenting whatever your content is and getting them to take a look at it. But I don't think you should ever allow anything to go live or go public facing that is for an intended audience uh, without that audience or someone from that audience having eyes on it because you don't know what your blind spots are. Um, and we all have them. <laughs> no matter who you are, no matter what you do, you we all have blind spots. Um, and we can't do this work alone. Communications is not it's not an individual sport. <laughs> it's, the, it's the collective sport. And so I think if you don't look like your audience, and, I, and I'm being very intentional by saying your primary audience, I don't want to say target, um, your target audience, but if you don't look like the primary audience who you are looking to, to talk to, um, to have a conversation with, then make sure that you have those people around you. And then number three, I would say be open to um, feedback and, and criticism. Uh, recognize that we don't know um, everything and we don't know what we don't know sometimes until other people call it out for us. So don't necessarily be defensive. Um, I know sometimes we can have a tendency, especially if we put a lot of hard work and time and energy into creating something, um, because this isn't both an art and a science. Communication is both an art and a science. And you can take things personally. Um Try not to do that. Like really allow and invite people to criticize and give you feedback. How, how did I do with this? Um, what, what do you think about this? What could I have done better? Um, and I think that's really the only way that we're going to be able to improve and to really um, be effective communicators. Awesome. Ray, I have loved the opportunity to listen to you and to learn from you. I do every time I have a chance to talk with you. 
Thank you so much for everything that you've shared today and everything that you're leading at Up Together. And we'll put some links in the show notes so people can check out your work and support Up Together and learn from you all as an incredible model for, for where I hope a lot more nonprofit communications goes in the future. So thanks for leading that amazing work. Yeah, thank you, Carrie. Thanks for uh, all of your support that you've given to Up Together over the years. Um, and I look forward to continuing to work with you um, and other communicators as we work, especially nonprofit communicators, to really just make this a better place for all of us. Mission Forward is produced with the support of Nimra Haroon and the Mission Partners team in association with True Story FM, engineering by Pete Wright. Music this week is by Harder and Josh Leak. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, we hope you will consider doing just that for our show. But the best thing you can do to support Mission Forward is simply to share the show with a friend or a colleague. Thanks for your support, and we'll see you next time.